Good morning. Let's have our Bibles ready. Acts chapter 2 will be the first passage to be read. Acts chapter 2. We welcome you to Laurel Heights and we invite you to come back at 5 p.m. Wednesday evenings. We have Bible classes for all ages at 7.30. Our website is open 24 hours a day, lhmacallan.org. We have a meeting set with Bubba Garner, January 26 through 28. We do all of this believing strongly the Lord's word must be communicated. After Christ was raised from the dead and he had ascended back into heaven, his apostles were assembled in Jerusalem according to his instructions. The Bible says when these men were in one place, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was an extraordinary event, especially for these apostles of Christ to guide them in revealing the gospel. On this day, when Jews were gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost, the apostle Peter spoke to a great assembly of people. He preached the gospel. He told the people the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. He convicted the people of their sin, and he concluded with these words, and with their question for Peter, and Peter's response, I'm in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It may be that some of you have never really been exposed to modern denominational religion. Maybe for you, you have just read the Bible, and your response to God has been as directed in His Word. You are a member of the church Jesus built, you worship with people of like precious faith. You don't listen to TV evangelists. You may have never attended a denominational church. At the center of your faith and practice, there is nothing but God's Word and God's Son. May God bless you in that. And may you continue to live under the authority of God's Word in obedience to Jesus Christ, not distracted by religion that has been manufactured by men. <clears throat> but here's a reality check. If you live, as I have described, guided only by the Word of God, you are the exception rather than the rule in our society. 
When it comes to religion, most people today have ideas and concepts and practices all mixed up with denominational creeds and traditions and very little Bible. Most people just find a place they're comfortable with as a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or Presbyterian, Muslim, Buddhist or some secular evangelical religion. Many people just follow family tradition. And they rely on what was handed to them by their family and really do not have their own faith derived from the Word of God. And in all of this human-driven religion and denominational tendencies, so popular today, there is widespread misunderstanding about the role of baptism. And so questions come up. And you may have asked these questions at one time in your life. Or you may have heard these questions and perhaps you are in a situation where you need to hear what the Bible says about these things today. All of us need to listen to God's Word on every subject addressed. And in all of our faith and practice, be certain we are submitting to God's Word. And on this subject, there are some very common questions people raise. What about sprinkling? Is infant baptism valid? Is baptism necessary at all? There's only one way to get these questions answered. And that's to open this book and see what it says. Can I interrupt the flow of thought just a moment to mention something? How grateful we should be that everything we need to know about our relationship with God and our duty to Him is contained in one book. You don't need to have an extensive library. You don't need to piece together research from 85 different sources or open up Google search engine. To learn the truth about becoming a child of God and being a child of God, you just need one book. You have your questions about baptism answered in just this one book, the Word of God. And so this morning, we're going to review that. I'm going to teach from four different passages from this book, and we're going to discover and review what the Bible says about baptism. God, we believe, has revealed everything we need to know about it. So our purpose is to listen to Him. Listen again to this text. We're going to go back to Matthew 28. You listened to it earlier. I'm going to read 18 to 20 in Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Everybody knows that Jesus chose certain men to spread His message. 
We're all familiar with the fact that Jesus had His apostles. But do we know what He said to them? Here is a passage at the end of Matthew telling us what Jesus commanded these men to do after His ascension back into heaven. He said, Go and make disciples. How was that done? It was done through teaching. That's how you make a disciple, through teaching that is received by those who are listening to that teaching. The apostles went out to people and they taught people about who Christ is and what He did and what He offers and what people need to do to be saved by Him and to live for Him through teaching they made disciples. As that teaching was given, (coughs) listeners would ask what they needed to do to get out of sin, to become disciples of Christ. And Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I want to stress that I'm quoting Jesus. I'm reading to you what He said. This is not about me and something I came up with. Not about something that Laurel Heights people came up with years ago. Not just repetition of a tradition of a group. Look at verse 19. Jesus said, baptizing them. The apostles taught people the truth about sin and the damage of sin. And then they taught people about Christ as the remedy. And those people expected they would need to do something. So they would say, what do we do? Jesus said, baptize them. I want to emphasize, as you look at this passage in Matthew, this is what Jesus said. So here's the question. Do you agree with what Jesus said? Jesus said, teach people, baptize people, and then give them further teaching to observe all things that I have commanded you. That is what Jesus said. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. If you haven't been baptized, this is what you need to do. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2 again. We were there in the beginning of our study. We're going to go back and read more of this in Acts chapter 2. And I'll remind you of what I said a moment ago. This was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And after His ascension back into heaven, the apostles were in Jerusalem. And He told them to be there. And He told them what to do. And when they were all together, the Holy Spirit came on them and filled them, and they began to preach in the language of the people present. We have an account of Peter's sermon. And the thrust of his message was to tell people the truth about Jesus Christ. I want you to listen in Acts chapter 2. This time, I'm going to begin at verse 22. Listen to Peter preaching on that day. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, those who heard the truth about Jesus Christ were cut to the heart by that truth, and they knew they needed to respond. All they needed to know was, what will my response need to be? And Peter answered, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Are you aware of any evidence that God has changed His mind about this? Or that baptism as an expression of one's faith was later canceled? The conclusion we have is, in responding to the gospel, it is essential to be baptized for the remission of sins. At this point, it is not necessary to look back into the history of how men and religions have handled baptism. Because that doesn't matter. What matters is what God has revealed, what Jesus said, what the apostles commanded, and what the inspired writers 
provided for us in the written Word of God. In responding to the gospel, it is essential to be baptized for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 8 is a passage that we visited a few weeks ago. And when we visited Acts chapter 8, we visited the entire setting of it, and we drew many different lessons from it. We're going back to Acts 8 now, just for a specific purpose related to our topic. Here's the story of a real man from Ethiopia who had been to Jerusalem, who heard people talking about the Christ, and he's now reading the book of Isaiah, and he's thinking about his situation, and he is joined by Philip the evangelist. This is Acts chapter 8. I'm beginning at verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Here's a very simple story about a real man who heard the gospel, who believed what he heard, and he was baptized. He heard the good news of God graciously saving people from sin in Christ. His response to the grace of God was to ask to be baptized. In Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The New Testament says to be saved, one must be in Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that. That's not a physical location. It is a spiritual location. And in these contexts in the New Testament, the word in really has to do with relationship. 
If you want to be in a relationship with God, you can have that. You can enjoy that. But where? In Jesus Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 3, All spiritual blessings are in Jesus Christ. Do you want to be in that relationship with God? Do you want to be in Jesus Christ? Well, you cannot earn your way into that relationship by your good behavior because you've already sinned. You can activate your faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized into Him. Let's go back to those common questions you remember. And I think having read God's Word, the answers will be clear and easy to give. What about sprinkling? The Bible says nothing about sprinkling. The word baptism and the examples of baptism agree it is complete immersion in water. Everything God has said about baptism matters because God said it and God used a word that means immersion in water. And when the apostles baptized people as Jesus commanded, it wasn't sprinkling. I could give you the history of sprinkling and I could go through all the arguments men have made for it And I could tell you what churches practice that. But we've already heard from God. We already know what God has said. And that's what matters. Remember, all we need to know about baptism is revealed by God in one book. And that's the book we read from. What about infant baptism? Nothing in the Bible about that. No command, example, nothing to suggest that infants should be baptized. Nothing about infants being born in sin. Everything we have studied from the Bible this morning tells us that you cannot really be baptized into Christ until you're able to hear the gospel, understand your guilt, confess your faith, and repent. Nothing God has ever said should compel anyone to believe that infant baptism is according to His will and plan. Having an involuntary subject of baptism completely contrary to what the New Testament teaches about responding to Christ. Well, is baptism necessary? I think you know the answer. In every passage we've studied is presented to us as a necessity. In many other passages we could bring into this study, it is presented as a necessity. If we only had what Jesus said in Matthew 28, nothing else, only what Jesus said in Matthew 28, that would be sufficient basis for us to say baptism is essential. Our conclusion is discipleship, as a way of life, starts with baptism. It is amazing how many people speak of themselves as Christians, but they've never complied with what the Bible says about baptism. I mean, there are people who have read what the Bible says about Christ. 
They have read what it says about faith and repentance, but they have missed other matters entirely. Little or no attention given to what the church is and what worship is or the role of baptism. I say to you, it is not as if the Bible is unclear. The Bible is exceedingly clear. But there has developed in the modern religious world an indifference about baptism as taught in the Bible. We may not be able to put an end to that indifference in religious society, but you can put an end to it in your life if you haven't been baptized. If you haven't responded to the gospel the way the New Testament teaches that that response should be, you can take care of that. The gospel is simple. There is a problem. Disobeying God, therefore being guilty of sin. There is a solution. The solution is given in the New Testament, provided by a gracious God. It is through the death of Christ that we can be saved. But there is a response. Hearing this, believing in Christ, confessing your faith, and then taking seriously what Peter said, repent. And be baptized. Why not right now while we stand together to sing?